You are listening to the Piedmont Church Podcast. To learn more about Piedmont Church, including our gathering times in Macon, you can visit us online at piedmontchurch.net. I appreciate the opportunity to be here, Chris. I love Chris. As he said, we've got an opportunity to know each other a little bit over the last couple years since I've been in the role that I am now. I've pastored for about 16 years at Lawrence Drive, which is just off Hartley Bridge Road down in South uh, Bibb there. And so then transitioned to be working with the Georgia Baptist Mission Board now as an evangelism consultant. And I love it because here's what I get to do. I tell pastors this. They ask me, what do you do? I said, my job, my sole job is to help you and your church reach more lost people for Christ. That's what I want to do. And so I try to help, encourage, train uh, what we're doing after church. Let me just give a plug for that. If you have not signed up, I'm sure Chris would say this too, it's not too late. You need to be there, all right? I love Chris's heart. Me and Chris have a like heart in that we want to impact the world and starting with this city. Uh, We had an opportunity to meet not too long ago, talk about how can we reach this city? How can we bring churches together with the sole purpose of getting the gospel to the lost that are here? And I want you to understand something. When we think about evangelism, everybody gets a little scared. Everybody gets like, oh, I don't want to talk about evangelism because I don't want to do it. (laughs) If we were honest with ourselves, it's scary. There's a lot of things we don't understand. Maybe we don't know. We don't think we're good enough. There's lots of reasons why we don't. But if you're a follower of Jesus Christ today, if you know Christ, As your Lord and Savior, I want you to understand it's your responsibility. Even beyond that, it's your calling. It's what we're called to do as followers of Jesus Christ. And so if you haven't signed up, make sure you stay. It won't take but a long time. You'll have a good meal. It'll be great training. It's going to be easy for you. And we'll have a wonderful time as we do that. I want to just say thanks for my family being here. I've got most of my family here. My wife, Casey, my son, Brady, daughter, Mary Beth. Just missing one son, Griffin, but uh, glad that they could come. They're not always able to come with me, so glad we're close to do that. If you have your Bible, I want to ask you to turn to 2 Corinthians 5 with me this morning. 2 Corinthians 5, and if you take notes, which I hope you do, there'll be some notes on the screen you can follow along. But I want us to think about on this subject today what it means to be a normal Christian. All right? Let's think about that for a second. What does it mean to be a normal Christian? Now, I know what you might be saying. Normal sounds so vanilla. Who wants to be normal, right? I mean, we want to be extra normal. We want to be something different from normal. We don't want to be called normal. Normal sounds boring. But then on the flip side, some of you might be saying, well, preacher, I I thought we were kind of normal. Are you trying to tell us we're not normal? We're a bunch of weirdos over here. (laughs) So I don't want to get twisted, all right? Let's make sure we're clear on what we're saying. I believe in the church of Jesus Christ, one of the major things that has happened and one of the major problems we have in the church today is that we have made the abnormal normal and the normal abnormal, all right? We've made the abnormal normal and the normal abnormal. Today, I want to talk to us about how we can make the normal great again, all right? And let me help you understand that a little bit more by telling you a little bit of a story, okay? About a friend of mine named Lamar Legrone. Lamar Legrone. Now, Lamar... If you know Lamar, let me give you a picture of him in your mind, okay? Do y'all remember Yosemite Sam in the cartoons? Do y'all remember that guy? For some of you older ones, some of you younger people are like, who is Yosemite Sam? You can look him up. But Yosemite Sam was this rootin' tootin' wild cowboy, right? He would be shooting things up, and he'd be chasing after all the other folks. But Yosemite Sam and Lamar are about the same person, if you saw. I mean, Lamar was a cowboy. I mean, he did real cowboy stuff, roping calves, and he did rodeos. He did all kind of stuff like that. 
in addition to that, uh, Lamar was a wild man. I mean, Lamar, anything bad that you wanted to be into, Lamar was into it. I mean, he did all kind of stuff, drinking, carousing, smoking, drugs, whatever it was, Lamar was about it. So he's doing, he's living this hard life. Well, one day, Lamar has the opportunity to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when I tell you that Lamar got radically saved, Lamar got radically saved. Y'all know what I'm talking about when I say radically saved, right? When he got the gospel and the gospel got him, he completely changed. He did a 180. He quit all the stuff he was doing. And here's what he began doing. He got so excited, he was just started telling everybody he knew about Jesus. He started telling everybody he knew about the gospel and what Jesus had done for him. He was so excited. He's out there in the grocery stores, in the convenience stores, with his co-workers, with people. He's running people down in the church parking lot, trying to tell them the good news about Jesus Christ. Now, what began to happen is, Lamar began to see people get saved. Left and right, people were getting saved. They were hearing this story. They were getting saved. They were getting baptized at our church. The church was just going crazy. There was such an excitement about what Lamar was doing, how Lamar was being used by God to see life change. And so all of this is going on. There's a fever pitch of excitement for Lamar and some people in the church. But there was also something else going on. There were a few church members who began to get a little uh, you know, nervous, uh, feeling a little uncomfortable because Lamar was doing what they knew they should have been doing. And so one day, here's what happened. This fine, upstanding deacon in the church who was on the building committee, he was well-respected, he was good, just the guy, you know that guy in the church. He goes up to Lamar one day. He says, Lamar, man, it's so great to see you sharing Christ with people. It's so exciting to see people come to save. But I want you to know something, Lamar. One day, you're going to calm down and you're going to be like the rest of us. Let that sink in for just a minute. Here's a man sharing his faith, telling people about Jesus, excited about what the Lord's done. Seeing people come to Christ, producing that fruit of the gospel. And the fine upstanding deacon, the one that was well-respected, the one everybody looked to as kind of a leader in the church, he went up to him one day and he said, Lamar, one day you're going to calm down and be like the rest of us. Now let me help you understand something. The deacon's idea of normal was you come to church, you're a nice person, you're a good person, you come when the doors are open, you serve in the church, maybe you even give and you tithe in the church, but don't get crazy and start sharing your faith because when you do that, You've crossed the line. You see, to him, that was normal, and, every, and Lamar was abnormal. You see, what we need to understand today, if we look in the book of Acts, I think what we could discover is that normal for the people in the church of Acts was more like Lamar than like that uh, deacon in the church, right? I believe if you look at Acts, because they were sharing their faith everywhere they went. When they left the meeting of the church where they were praying and serving God and where they were worshiping together and hearing the word, when they left that time, they went out sharing their faith, door to door. It says the Lord was adding to their number daily those who are being saved. Also, if we think about the Apostle Paul. Many times when we think about the Apostle Paul, we think of this guy who's a superhero Christian, right? He's a guy, he's out there sharing his faith. He's out there telling people about Jesus. He's out there going from city to city trying to establish churches. He's getting beat up wherever he goes, and he goes to the next city. He gets beat up one place, goes to the next town. He gets beat up that place, goes to the next town. Because he had a calling to share his faith. You see, I think Paul, if you ask Paul, Paul, are you a supernatural Christian? He'd say, no, I'm not supernatural. I'm just, this is just who we are. 
We are a sharing people. We are a people on mission, a people called by God. We've been changed by the gospel, and now we're called to help others come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. We're called, every single one of us. You see, normal is not what we've made it. Normal is not what we think of it. To be normal, I believe, is to be actively telling others the good news about Jesus Christ. And so I want us to learn what it means and what it looks like to be a normal Christian today. And so if you have your Bible there in Romans chapter, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 14, I want to read this passage of Scripture. This is the Apostle Paul explaining to the church at Corinth what his ministry is all about. He's explaining to them what his life is and what their life should be also. And I think it's a word that speaks to us as believers today. And so follow along as we're starting in verse 14. I want to read this passage of Scripture here. Paul in 2 Corinthians 5 says, For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake has died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, and the old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against him, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God, making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God. So when we think about the traits of a normal Christian, there's four traits I want to lay out for you out of this passage. The first one is this. The first trait of a normal Christian is that Christ's love consumes them. Christ's love consumes them. Look at verse 14 again. He says, for the love of Christ controls us. It controls us. It compels us, your translation of Scripture might say. But what it means is it is pushing us to be all that God would want us to be. See, when I experience the love of Christ, when Christ's love is taking hold of me in this relationship with him, what happens is if I'm walking fully with him, the love of Christ is pushing me. And the idea of that original language there, that word, has the idea of pushing into a corner. And so it's almost as if God is, through the love of Christ, he's pushing us into a corner, and everything that's not his, everything that's not of him, has to be removed so he can squeeze us into this corner, into this image of who he wants us to be. Paul says, listen, what drives me is not my own dedication. It's not my own just motivation. But what drives me is the love of Christ. When I wake up in the morning, what drives me to get out of bed is the love of Christ. I am consumed with Christ's love. Everything else has been burned up in me. Everything else has been put to the side. And so all I can know, all I can see, the only thing that gets me up is what Christ would want to do in my life that day. Let me ask you a question. What gets you out of bed every morning? Say, well, I got to go to work, so that gets me up. I mean, I got a job, so if I want to feed my family, if I want to make money to pay my bills, I have to get up, so that gets me up. Or I got to go to school, so if I don't show up at school, my teachers get upset and I get in trouble. And so that gets me motivated to do that. I want us to understand something today. As a believer, as a follower of Jesus Christ, what should compel me, what should get me up every morning is the consuming love of Christ. That we wake up and say every day, Lord, I'm so thankful for another day. I'm so thankful for salvation. And God, 
I want to do your will today. Whatever you have before me, whatever you place in my path, God, I want to be obedient to follow you. And God, give me opportunities to tell other people about you. Lord, give me opportunities to help others come to know you because, Jesus, the greatest thing that's ever happened to me is the fact that you saved me, you set me apart, you gave me new life, and I can't wait to spend eternity with you. So, Lord, help me to live today based on the love of Christ, pushing me, compelling me. Now, I want you to make sure you understand something. It says it's the, his love, the love of Christ, right? Paul didn't say it was my love for Christ that compelled me. He said it was the love of Christ for him that compelled him, that pushed him, that kept him going down this road that kept him accomplishing the work that kept getting him up from that place of being beaten half to death and going to the next city to tell somebody about jesus it was his love that was pursuing him consuming him to the place that that's what paul thought about i want you to think about something today if i was to ask you what do you do or, or what's your purpose in life some of you would say well i'm a student right now or i work here or, i work there i'm a doctor i'm a lawyer i'm a businessman whatever it might be. I work at the plant or, you know, hospital, school, whatever. But I want you to understand, no matter what your title is at work, no matter what your title is as, as occupation, if you're a student still or if you're working in the workforce or if you're a stay-at-home mom or whatever it might be, I want you to understand your calling, your calling is to be a proclaimer of the good news of Jesus Christ, a proclaimer of the gospel. That's what you're called to. That's what should get you out of bed every morning. Lord, Today may be a day that you want to use me to impact somebody else's eternity. And I want to be ready. I want to be prepared. God, I want to be, have my heart right so that I'm ready to do what you've asked me to do. See, Paul understood that for the normal Christian, it should be the love of Christ that consumes us. As Christians, it's far too easy for us to get driven and compelled by so many other things. We're distracted by worldly plans and worldly uh, goals and dreams and attainments. But you see, those things leave us empty. It's only when we follow that calling and are consumed with the love of Christ that we are truly walking in that relationship with him, truly experiencing the plan that he has for our life. We should be consumed with the love of Christ. And when we're consumed by the love of Christ, we want to tell other people about Jesus. So that's the first thing. They are driven, consumed by the love of Christ. The second thing I want you to know about a normal Christian, this is huge right here. They see people the way Christ does. They see people the way Christ does. In verse 15, because Paul is consumed, he says, we don't live for ourselves anymore, but we live for him who our sake died and was raised. And so he was saying, I'm running the race in that regard. But then look at verse 16. He says, from now on, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Think about that for a minute. Now, when I first read this passage, I was like, wow. That really jumped out at me. We regard no one according to the flesh anymore. You see, the person who is a normal Christian, they, they see people the way Christ sees them. How, how do we usually measure people up, size people up? We do it from their outward appearance, right? Well, you're dressed nice. You look nice. You just got out of a nice car, so you must be nice. You must be a pretty good person. In fact, you must be such a good person, I might want to get to know you a little bit because, wow, I think you might could do something for me. You might could help me get ahead. You might could help me uh, do something great. Uh, young men looking for a young lady when they're uh, uh, trying to date or trying to find a wife, they're sizing them up. Many times, the first thing they're looking at is the outward appearance, right? What do they look like? How do they act? Is that even somebody I would want to pursue or not? You see, we have a, we have a way of looking at people, not that it's necessarily all bad, 
But we have a way of sizing people up. It can be bad. But we see people based on their outward appearance. If we see somebody that's poor, we see somebody that's in raggedy clothes, we see somebody that maybe doesn't smell so good, we immediately put them in a certain category. We say, well, I don't know if I want to have anything to do with them. In fact, I want to stay away from them, if at all possible, because they're going to pull me down. They may be dangerous, right? Because we judge people based on the outward appearance. You say, well, that's not true about me, Pastor. I mean, I'm a spiritual person, so I don't do that. What happens when you get off the exit at Spring Street and that person standing there with a the sign? What do you do then? Most of us, well, if I look straight ahead and I don't look at them, maybe I can pretend like they're not there, right? So all right, we grip the steering wheel, we're looking straight ahead, and we're saying green, 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 hoping that light will turn green. So I don't have to deal with this person standing beside me because I've already sized them up that I don't want to have anything to do with them. And there's people in our life, there's people that you work with, there's people that you come in contact with on a regular basis that you kind of shy away from because of their outward appearance, because of what they give off to you, what you see from a physical sense. But as a believer, Paul says, listen, we don't look at anybody according to the flesh anymore. What Paul's saying there is, I don't care if they're black, white, uh, Hispanic, any other culture. I don't care if they're pretty or ugly. I don't care if they're big or small, tall or short. I don't care, rich or poor. I don't care about any of those things. What bothers me, what concerns me is, what is their heart condition? Do they know Jesus or not? Have they had a relationship with him? Have they been saved? Have they been transformed by the power of the gospel? You see, that's the only thing that mattered to Paul. He said, listen, I want to talk to everybody. I want to have a relationship because I want them to get to know the Jesus that I know. I want them to have a part in the gospel because God has given me a part of the gospel. And so I can't waste my time sizing people up based on their outward appearance. I want to look to the heart. Jesus, help me to see into somebody's heart. Where's their heart? Because I want them to be transformed by the power of the gospel. You see, as his love consumes me, as his love is compelling me, he changes my spiritual sight that I begin to look at people differently. The person you can't stand at your workplace that gets on your nerves to the nth degree, that may very well be the person that God wants you to witness to and to be a witness to in an ongoing fashion. The poor person on the side of the road, not saying every time, but I'm saying a lot of times it might be if I'm listening to the Spirit of God, if I'm being compelled by the Spirit of God, it might be that God wants me to reach out to them and try to bless them and encourage them and get them the gospel message of Jesus Christ. It goes to the other side too. Many times we look at our person, our boss, or somebody that's ahead of us maybe in life, and they've got stuff, you know, those people. They've got a nice house, nice car, boat, lake house, all those things. Sometimes we look at our boss with envy. Man, if I could just be like him. Man, if I just had that nice boat, I would be set. Man, if I just had what he had, I'd be happy. And all the while, your boss may be lost without Christ. And I want you to understand something. I don't care how much toys he has. If he doesn't know Jesus, he is hurting and he needs Jesus more than anything. But if I see him as something to attain to when he doesn't even know Christ, I've missed the point. I need to see him the way Christ does. Christ has broken over him because he's lost. So I can't, because if I'm in a position of envy or always looking and saying, I want that, I want that, but if I'm always looking from that perspective, I'll never do what it takes to reach him with the gospel of Jesus Christ because I'm trying to be him. 
So we need to see people not from a physical perspective, not from what they have or don't have, but we need to see them the way Jesus does. To see into their heart and say, Lord, give me a heart. Give me spiritual eyes to see what's happening in this person's life. Because here's what I know, guys. Here's what I know 100%. I don't care what the outside looks like. I don't care how much they have in worldly uh, measure. But if a person doesn't have Jesus, they are lost. They are without hope. They are stuck in a kingdom of darkness, the Bible says. And they are in a bad place. And we as believers, it is our responsibility to love them and care for them and share with them the good news of Christ so that they can be brought out of darkness into a place of light. So they can be brought from the place of sinking sand into a place of foundational truth. See, that's our responsibility. But if I see them only from a physical perspective, many times I just brush them off. Many times I write them off. Or many times I try to get what they have instead of trying to give them what I have which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we have to see them the way Christ does. I want to give you a challenge. I want to give you a challenge. This will change your heart. If you woke up every morning and you just prayed this little prayer, Lord, today, as I go about my day, wherever I go today, help me to see people the way you see them. I challenge you to do that. Because it will change your whole mindset. It will change how you live your day. Because you'll begin to see people. You'll begin to understand this person needs Jesus. This person's lost over here. This person that I've been ridiculing, that I've been pushing away, that I've been avoiding, this person needs Jesus. Or that person I've been trying to get to and, and butter up and, and, and rub up next to so that I, maybe I can get some of their stuff, that person's lost and they need Jesus. And so it changes my whole perspective of how I see things and how I see people. But they see people the way Christ does. That's what the normal Christian does. The third thing I want you to see about the normal Christian is this. The normal Christian understands their calling. He understands his calling or her calling. They understand their calling. Look at verse 17. You go back to verse 17. I'm about to have to get glasses or a bigger Bible one. I can't hardly see what's there. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. How many of you have heard that verse so often in church? We love that verse, don't we? Come on, if you've been in church a while, oh, man, if any man's in Christ... He is a new creation. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord, right? The old has passed away, man. That terrible old and that awful stuff that I had in my pad. The old has passed away. The new has come. Praise the Lord. You memorize it. And we sing it, do it in VBS all the time for the kids and the children. Man, we're new creations in Christ. That is wonderful news, right? That's awesome. To think about that we are new creations. The old has passed away. I don't have to live in my past. I don't have to live with all my mistakes from the past. All of that's passed away. The new has come. It's great. But it's very enticing for us as believers to view this scripture out of its context in the word of God and just take that for us. Well, hey, let's celebrate, y'all. I'm a new creation. I'm going to heaven when I die. I've got what I need. My old is gone. My new has come. Hallelujah. And I'm just going to ride that on into glory. Praise the Lord. Right? But see, I want you to notice the context of this verse. Where this verse is in the Bible. Because Paul immediately says, after that, he says, all this is from God who through Christ, listen, this is important, reconciled us to himself. And I want you to hear this. Make sure you don't miss this. And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So, so what now, guys? What? What's that again? So you've been made new. 
The old is gone. The new has come. Uh, you've been made a new creation. And, and you, God has reconciled you to himself. To be reconciled means to be made right, right? So your sin, when you came to Christ, you were saved. And God forgave you of your sins. He cleansed you. But you were made right before God because of what Jesus did on the cross. Because he died on the cross for us. We could be made right, not because of what we did, but because of what Christ did. And so when we were made right, that means when God looks at you, he doesn't see all your sin and all your past. He sees Jesus. He sees newness. He sees new life. When you get to heaven, the reason you're going to get into heaven is not because you did some good things or because you came to church all the time or because this or that or whatever. The reason is because he's going to see Christ in you. Right? We get that, right? You've been reconciled to God. So if you've been reconciled to God, you're here today, and you've been made right before God through his blood and through the work of Jesus on the cross, here's what's true of you. You have been given the ministry of reconciliation. Hear that. Hear that. Please, hear that. If you know Christ today, if you've been set free, if you've been reconciled, then he gave you the ministry of reconciliation. What does that mean? means I'm supposed to be telling other people about this good news about Jesus, right? Because the ministry of reconciliation is what Paul was doing. He was sharing the good news with those who didn't know. He was sharing how they could be reconciled. It says he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Do y'all know what the Greek word, the Greek meaning of that word is? Us. <laughs> he gave all of us that message. Sometimes you think, well, the pastor does that. He, he does all the salvation stuff. I mean, don't get crazy now. We're just church people. We're just, we just come to church. That's just for the Billy Graham types. That's what they do, right? I mean, they go and have these big conferences. They tell people about Jesus. That's why, I mean, that's for others. But the Bible makes it clear. Listen, the reason, the reason you were given new life, the reason you're a new creation, the reason the old has been put away and the new has come is so that you can participate in the ministry of reconciliation. Believers, that I'm to be about his work in reconciling others to himself. But most of us write ourselves a permission note not to do that as Christians. Most of us as believers in church today, over 95% of believers will never lead anybody else to faith in Jesus Christ. Church, we bought into the enemy's lies that it's not our responsibility. We've got caught up in the world stuff to say that I don't have time for that. I don't want to do that because it's uncomfortable. I don't want to talk about Jesus with others because people will look at me funny. I'm scared to talk about it because maybe I don't think I know enough. And we have disqualified ourselves from the very mission that we're called to in this world. He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. You see that when I talk about the abnormal becoming normal, if you were a believer in the early church, the book of Acts church, and you were not out there sharing the good news of Jesus with other people, you would be the abnormal person in the group. <laughs> Think about that for a minute. Today, if you're sharing your faith with others, if you're talking about Jesus with friends, neighbors, co-workers, and others, you come to church and you stick out like a sore thumb, don't you? Sad but true. Because we've made the abnormal normal and the normal abnormal what we should be normal about is being a part of the ministry of reconciliation what should fill our sundays our small groups and our hallways at the church when we gather together it should be stories about man let me tell you who god gave me the opportunity to talk to this week 
Look, would you pray with me that my friend or my neighbor or my coworker could come to know Christ because I had a chance to talk to him the other day? What if that was the conversations of our church? That when we gathered, that we, we were talking more about just the latest game or what was happening at work, but we were talking about the people the Lord had given us opportunity to share his good news with. And that would be rampant among the church. You see, giving us an idea, it's a change of mindset for us. It's a change of heart. Listen, we've come so far as the church as a whole. I'm not just talking about Piedmont Church. I'm talking about every church in America today. I'm talking about we've come so far the other way. That we've got to get back. It's got to be a change of mindset to say, listen, I am called, me personally, I am called to the people in my life to make a difference for the gospel of Jesus Christ in their life. And to not take ownership of that is to be walking in disobedience. Jesus, some of his first words, y'all remember this? Jesus, when he's first starting his public ministry, he goes out and he says, Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. That's right. Fishers of men. What was he saying? Listen, come follow me. We're going to change people's lives. I've got something, I'm, we're just going to change the world, and we're, I want you to be a part of it. Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. I've heard people say this, I like it. It says it might be that if, you know, sometimes we think, well, I'm following Jesus, yeah. Come to church all the time, do all the right things. But I, I, I want to throw this out to you. Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. If you're following Jesus, you're probably going to be fishing for men, right? If I'm truly following him. And it could be said, if I ain't fishing, I might not be following. If I ain't fishing, I may not be following. And I might make this statement in the training after this, but, but I want you to understand something as a believer today. I'm not saying every single day you're going to talk to somebody about Jesus. I'm not saying that every single day you're going to have the opportunity to share the gospel with somebody. But here's what I am saying. You should be at least thinking about it every day. That when I go about in my day, Lord, make me ready. Lord, make me available. Lord, I want, to be, I want to be listening to your Holy Spirit. God, I want to be filled. I want to be consumed by your love. So they understand their calling. And think about the people in your life that are lost without Jesus. Think about your friends. Think about your neighbors. Think about your coworkers. Think about the lady you run into at the grocery store every time you check out your groceries. And they're lost. And God's put me in their path to be a light. And what if I don't shine the light? What if I don't tell them? It's serious, y'all. They understand their calling. And then the last thing the normal Christian does. Not only does, is he consumed with the love of Christ, and he sees people the way Christ does, he understands his calling, but the last thing is they passionately share the great news. They passionately share the great news. Look at verse 20 again. It says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God, making his appeal through us, we implore you, we implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. Paul saying, listen, man, we are, we are ambassadors. What does an ambassador do? If, if a U.S. ambassador goes to England, he, he represents the interests and the beliefs and the thoughts of the United States in a foreign land, right? That's what he does. He lives in an embassy in that place. And that embassy is considered United States ground, sovereign land of the United States, right there where that embassy is. But he represents to the people in a foreign land what 
the United States believes. When I'm an ambassador for Christ, if you know Christ today, he's made you an ambassador for him. And you are to represent his beliefs. You are to represent his truth to a foreign land. You are in a foreign land. If you can picture even this church, your home, as an embassy of the kingdom of God. And you are to, out of that embassy, tell the good news of Jesus Christ to all those who are not yet in the embassy. See, they joyfully proclaim the good news. They passionately share. Look at what Paul says here. He says, listen, we're ambassadors of Christ. And he says, as if God is making his appeal through us, we're imploring you. We're begging you. Do you notice the passion in Paul's heart? Listen, I can't. Please, please, please come to know Christ. Please be transformed. Please let his light shine in you. Please accept by faith what he's offering. Because it's everything. When I do funerals, caskets always sit in the front many times or a jar or ashes or whatnot. So as I sit here and I'm looking at this casket, I'm looking out at the people. I get to the place, I say, guys, at this point in life, the only thing that matters, really the only thing, it doesn't matter how much money he made, it doesn't matter how poor or how rich he was, it doesn't matter how popular he was or it was not, the only thing that matters at this point is what did he do with Jesus? What did he do with Jesus? Because it's, it's eternity hangs in the balance. And there's people in our life, we, we've got the message, we, we've been changed. Man, I'm going to heaven when I die. Can't wait, it's going to be glorious. And, and, and even in this life, man, I have a personal relationship with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. How great is that? And so why would I not share that with somebody who doesn't know it? Why would I not share the greatest thing that's ever happened in my life with the people who don't know? They passionately share this great news. It, it, Paul, he makes his appeal through us. Listen, God's plan is you to share the gospel, right? Us share the gospel. I, I sit back sometimes and, and think about my own flaws and my own mess-ups and all the things, and I'm like, God, why would you leave it to me to spread your good news to other people? There might should have been a good, better plan, right? I mean, couldn't you have done it, written it on the sky or sent angels to talk to people or whatever? I mean, that might have been a better plan because I'm so messed up, and I trip up and mess up all the time. And God says, no, I've, I've given the message to you. That's the plan. That's plan A, B, and C. If people are going to be saved, the reason they're going to be saved is because we are willing to tell them the good news about Jesus Christ. And listen, if I will walk in that life, if I will embrace that life, it's the greatest life that we could possibly have. So often as a pastor, I'd have people come up to me, hey, I just don't ever hear from God. Yeah, I hear people talking about hearing from God. I hear people saying this and this, and I just never get that. Why? I, I, is something wrong with me? And the cure I would always give them is this. I would say, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to start praying every day for God to give you an opportunity to share the good news with somebody else. That's not really what they're listening for a lot of times. It's usually about us, right? Well, God, do something for me. Tell me, tell me something cool or whatever. But if you begin to pray for God to work through you to reach lost people for Christ, that will be the prayer he readily answers. And you'll begin to see people come into your life. And you'll begin crossing paths with people who need Jesus. And all of a sudden you'll say, wow, Lord, that's pretty awesome. And when I walk through that door that opens, that he opens and share with somebody, there's nothing like it. People who are normal, they passionately share the great news. And listen, here, here's what I know is true. Before I had children, you could tell me, 
that you had a baby or that y'all had a baby. And here's what I would do. Oh, that's so nice. That's so great. You know, I give you the golf clap. You know how you give them the golf clap? People get, that is so great. I'm so happy for you. But I didn't know, right? Parents, I didn't know. <laughs> Before I, I didn't know. But when I'm in that delivery room with my first child and that first child just comes out and he's alive and he's brand, it's like, wow. 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 And I immediately, immediately this wave of love poured over me that I had not known before for this child. And immediately I thought to myself, man, if I need to offer my parents an apology if they love me like I love this little baby right here because I sure didn't understand it. Until I had my own, right? That's how it is. Well, in sharing the gospel, it's the same way. If I came up to you and said, well, I got to lead my friend to faith in Jesus Christ. You'd be, oh, that's so nice. You give me the golf clap. You'd be, oh, that's nice for you. But there's nothing like being there when somebody steps across the line of faith. And because of my testimony, because of my witness, that they come to know Jesus Christ and they step out and place their faith and trust in him. They step out of the kingdom of darkness and they're born again into a new kingdom, into God's kingdom. And you're there to be a part of it. I want you to know as a believer, there is nothing greater on this earth that you can experience in the miracle of salvation. And the fact that you had a part to play in it makes it all that much better because you're there. I want you to understand, God wants all of us to have that experience. Because we are a called people. We are a sent people. The normal Christian. The normal Christian. Is one who passionately shares the great news with others. As we come to a time of invitation. Band come and play. I want to ask this question. What if we woke up every morning? What if you woke up every morning and you just began to pray this prayer? Just a short prayer. God, would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? I want to be consumed by your love today. God, as I go out of this house, God, be, I want to be consumed by the love of Christ. And Lord, as I go out, I want to see people the way you see them. God, would you change the way I look at people? Would you change my inner working so I can see people the way you do with compassion, with love? And, and Lord, I want to embrace this calling that you've given to me. I want to be a minister of reconciliation. I want to be that person that's out there looking for opportunities. And Lord, help me to share this good news as you give opportunity to me. What if we open our days every morning just by praying that simple prayer? Just praying, calling out, praying these four points. We wrote, just start praying. And what would God do in your life? How would God begin to change the way you live? How would God begin to change the way you interact with people? How would God change? Listen, how would God change this church? Listen, your pastor has a heart to reach the lost. Your pastor has a heart to lead this church, to reach this community of Christ. What if? And if all of us, praise the Lord, would pray that prayer, it would change the nature of this church, this community for his glory. But what if just 10% or 20% of us began to pray that? And begin to live out that calling of being a minister of reconciliation. I promise you. God would begin to. He would change you. He would change this church. And then he would begin to use you to see other life change happen all around you. And there's nothing more exciting. Than people being transformed by the power of the gospel. And so the question becomes this. Would you be willing to put aside the abnormal we've talked about? You know, abnormal is, hey, I don't ever share my faith. If you read the Bible and believers, they got saved and then they began to share. So it's abnormal for us not to share our faith. 
would you be willing to put aside the abnormal today? And say, Lord, I want to start walking in the normal. Which means, God, I want to be consumed by your love. I want to see people the way you do. I want to embrace this ministry of reconciliation. And I want to share the great news at every opportunity I have a chance. Listen, I know you might be scared. Uh, I don't know if I can pray that or not. Because what if I don't know enough? And here's what I would say to that. So, you know what God's done for you, don't you? If you've got that, you can tell other people about Jesus. And as you go, you learn more to it. Some say, well, I don't, I don't think I can do it. And I don't know this. And we have all these barriers that we put up. We put up. And God's just saying, would you just make yourself available? <laughs> would you just make yourself available to me? I got a new phrase I use all the time now. I say, just give God a chance. We tell God what he can't do through our lives, right? Well, God, you could never use me to do that. How about if we just gave God a chance? Let God show up and show out for once in our lives. It would be transformational for us too. So would you embrace? The invitation today is this. If you're a believer here today, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to challenge you to call out to the Lord and to embrace this new normal in your life. Say, Lord, I want to be that person. I want to be faithful into this ministry that you've called me. Lord, I want to be faithful to impact the lost people around me with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Lord, I can't do it on my own. That's true. And I need you. But God, would you help me? And would you walk with me? I, I want to ask you to make that commitment today. This altar is going to be open. These steps are here. Lots of steps. You can come and call out to the Lord. Just say, Lord, I haven't been living this life, but I want that to change because I realize it's my calling. And so, Lord, would you begin to help me? Would you begin to change me and transform me so that I can live that life every day? And I would invite you to come if that's you. And really, that's probably the majority of us here today. I'd invite you to come. There's somebody here today, there may be somebody here today, you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You never prayed and invited him to Christ. You never uh, stepped into faith and have a relationship with Jesus today. I want you to understand, if you're here today, we're so thankful that you're here. And if that's you today, we want you to know how much Jesus loves you. He loves you more than you could ever imagine. The Bible tells us that we are all sinned, separated from God, and we messed up and made mistakes, which we all have. Uh, but Jesus loved you so much that he came to this earth, lived a perfect life, died on a terrible cross, to pay the penalty for my sin and your sin. And he rose again on the third day. And he offers new life to anyone who would call on him in faith. And if you don't know Jesus today, today would be a great day to salvation. To step out of your chair in a minute, come down, talk to Pastor Chris, talk to me. Let us pray with you, share with you how you can know Christ. But just by calling out to him and trusting him, you can be transformed. You can begin a relationship with him today that will start today and last for all of eternity. And we'd love for you to know him. So if you don't know Christ today, We'd love for you to come in just a minute. I'm going to pray for us. After I pray, we're going to stand, and the band's going to sing for us. They're going to sing a song of invitation. We're going to invite you to come. This altar is open. Pastor Chris will be here to pray. I'll pray with you. If you want to pray, if you're uh, saved and you just want to pray, Lord, help me to make this commitment to be a normal Christian, the way we've talked about today. God, I want to begin that journey. If you're lost today and you need to know Christ, we'd love to pray with you about that too. But let's allow the Lord to have his way in this place, in this moment, all right? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the opportunity you give us, Lord, to be a normal Christian, to be out there telling the world around us about you, how great you are, how much you've changed our life, and that they can, we can, you can change their life too. God, help us to be faithful. Lord, change our hearts. Change our way of thinking. The way we thought about church and you has been wrong for too long, Lord. It's not just about what happens here, but it, it, it's what, what happens here and then what happens when we go out of here to impact the world around us. And so help us 
to be about both. So, Lord, move on hearts in this place. Speak to every heart in this room right now. Lord, I pray for any lost person that's here right now that they would just feel the pull and the tug of the Holy Spirit on their heart and they would give in to you and trust you with their, their faith. Let, place their faith in you. Trust you with their life so they can be saved today. Lord, have your way in this moment. We pray this in Jesus' name. With heads bowed, eyes closed, I'm going to ask you to stand. Nobody's looking around. And as the band sings, you come in response to what the Lord said to you right now. You come.